You are listening to Tellius Talk, a podcast on being complete in Christ, hosted by Buzzsprout. What image do you get in your head when you hear people talking about Satan? Does your image of the adversary match who he truly is? What does the Bible say about Lucifer? Thank you for joining us on today's episode, where we address these questions and more. You may be surprised by what you learn. And now, here are your hosts, Wendell and Allie. The devil doesn't come dressed in a red cape or pointy horns. He comes as everything you've ever wished for. That's a quote from uh, an author by the name of Max Tucker, who wrote a series of books on Lucifer or Satan. Today, we're going to talk about Satan uh, or the adversary and the deadly truth about the one who goes by the names of Lucifer, Satan, Samel, Beelzebub, or as the scripture calls him simply the adversary. You know, regardless of the name that's given, Satan is not someone to be taken lightly. In his book, The Adversary, The Christian versus Demonic Activity, Mark Bubeck writes, The prince of this world sees to it that the world he controls laughs him off with indifferent levity. Christians ought never to enter into joke-making about Satan or hell. We must, with biblical insight, appreciate the awesome power of Satan's kingdom to influence us. Yeah, and that's that's why we decided to do this episode on the father of lies. And this, this won't be an episode of examining who the world thinks Satan is, although we will have a short historical look like we usually do. But this is going to be a scriptural look at who God tells us who Satan is and why. That's something important for us to know. Our view on Satan comes in the writings of the Old Testament. Traditionally, the Jewish understanding of Satan has been as an adversary or an opponent. However, most attention to Satan is reserved for mysticism, like Kabbalistic rituals or denigrated into fiction, like the writings of Maimonides. The Hasidic teachings and even some Jewish folktales devolve the power of Satan into the rise of werewolves and the power of amulets. That sounds familiar. I think that's probably where it came from. Ultimately, where Christianity and Judaism divide are along the lines of the role that Satan holds. Unfortunately, Uh, Jewish thought paints Satan as only an idea or even as merely a metaphor towards these sinful impulses that we have. So let's look briefly at how the world sees Satan, specifically the Western world, who has turned Satan into a celebrity instead of into the cancer that he actually is. If you were to Google uh, belief in in the devil poll, you'll see a number of conflicting uh, research polls uh, and results. Some declare that belief in Satan is on the decline, whereas others would counter with that, saying that there's more evidence that people believe more in Satan than in God. Hollywood and novels have been, I think, the biggest influence on our Western concept of who Satan is. Obviously, before Hollywood was Hollywood, novels were king, and Mm -hmm. a lot of Hollywood has built off of that. There yep. is, in fact, a subgenre of horror movies called the satanic film, where the focus of the movie is on the character or idea of Satan and usually involves uh, subjects such as exorcism, witchcraft, demon possession, and the Antichrist. Yeah. And that subgenre that you spoke about there, the satanic films, it, you know, it actually isn't really that underground anymore. It used to be, but it's not anymore. You know, if you have a look at Netflix um, under the movie genre of horror, you're going to find at least 90% of those movies would qualify as satanic movies based on the, the involvement of the subjects that you quoted about exorcism, witchcraft, demon possession. 
ever since Dante created the Inferno, the world's idea of who Satan is has been based on the creative minds uh, of the art world, the literature world, the movie world. That's that's where we get these ideas and these concepts of, of Satan. In the October 30th, 2018 edition of the National Graphic Magazine, it published a piece called The Hellish History of the Devil, Satan and the Middle Ages. And the introduction to it, the writer says, in the Middle Ages, European artists and theologians shaped a new and terrifying vision of Satan and the punishments awaiting for sinners in his realm. So during the, the Middle Ages, the devil's appearance changed drastically. Prior to that, we don't have any real information that gives us any idea of what Satan looked like. Yeah, no, However, no horns, pitchfork, and all that, right? No, 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 uh, certainly not. Um, and, and, and it wasn't until the sixth century in Italy where there's a mosaic which shows the last judgment. And there's a satanic figure in there that appears as a, a blue angel. Um, and we know that Lucifer has been, or Satan has been known as Lucifer, the angel of light. However, this image from the 6th century of, a, of an angelic type of being um, has given way drastically over the years to a more uh, demonic uh, appearance of the one that we call Satan. Yeah, and the, the image of Satan today is more like a, a mulligan stew of different deities and uh, taken from ancient times that were created to re represent everything that was evil. In 1667, John Milton uh, published Paradise Lost, I think his most famous book. And he describes the fall of Satan and his change from glorious angel to a serpent slithering into hell. William Blake and famous artists used the depictions from Milton and other writers to create the horned head, the goat's hooves, the pointed tail, and everything that is recognized now from adults to children as the devil. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt it's easier to both despise and to downplay a creature that has such cartoonish figures uh, and features like the one that Satan has become. And I, in fact, when we talk about the rise in, in media, there's actually a, a recent program, I'd say it's maybe about four years old, uh, television series called Lucifer, um, which is based on the Neil Gaiman character uh, who appears in the Sandman comics. And the beginning of the show, it starts like this. In the beginning, the angel Lucifer was cast out of heaven and condemned to rule hell for all eternity. That's the opening credits. Mm -hmm. And the show actually takes a really interesting look at the incarnate person of Satan and how he would react to the depictions of him and the thinking about him by mere humans. And it's, it's interesting because several times during the show, the character who plays Lucifer, he scoffs or he gets offended at how he is portrayed by humans in the story. And when there's no horns or, or pointy tail to prove who he is, uh, Lucifer responds with, that's the stuff of movies and they always get it wrong. The other thing that the show portrays is Lucifer's frustrations with the fact that people don't believe him anymore. Whenever he says, well, I'm the devil, they, they, they laugh, they scoff, they think that he's uh, he, like his psychiatrist thinks he's using all, you know, an alternative identity to deal with his frustrations. And yet the thing is, though, like as we heard in the beginning, the best lie that Satan ever made up is just that he doesn't exist and that he is just the stuff of movies. And the funny thing is the character has it right. We do have it all wrong about Satan. And that's another reason why we wanted to do this show. So let's have a look at um, who Satan is and who he isn't. I think that's probably a, a good place to start. And it's yes. mind blowing. 
Yeah, so f- let's talk first about who he's not, because that's, that's a good place to kind of put roots down into a topic like this. Lucifer is described as the most beautiful angel, an angel of light. He's described as being cunning and prowling like a lion. So Satan is, in fact, a powerful angel. Uh, he was once described as the brightest angel, as bright as the morning star, uh, hence his name, Lucifer. However, contrary to the popular myth, Satan is not an equal force in opposition to God. So, no, he's not. Just, just to say, to say that again, he's not an equal force. You know, we're not mm-hmm. talking about some kind of Star Wars yin yang sort of balance of forces thing here. Mm-hmm. He's a created being, just like we are. And yes, he is powerful, far more powerful than we are as humans, but his power is in no way equal to power that God has. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, we talked about God over the last three months, and Satan is not omnipresent. You know, he's not mm-hmm. omnipotent. He's not omniscient. The book of Job uh, gives us a very significant insight into the goings-on in heaven. And I think if, if you want to talk about Satan and, and go to somewhere where it talks really about his personality. Job is a great book to go to for that. Yeah. Gives us information, significant information about Satan. It shows us that he is, in fact, limited. So here's something it says in Job uh, chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. One day, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came with them also. The Lord asked Satan, Where have you come from? From roaming around the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around it. So Satan is not everywhere at once. He can't be. He's limited in his travels and where he can be at any given time. He clearly has to physically come up before God and give an account of what he's been up to and where he's been. Uh, So what, what we're learning here is that Satan, in fact, is roaming. He's walking around. The idea of this lion roaming and prowling, that's that's a great description. The most important thing to take out of this verse, though, is that he answers to God. And people have this idea that Satan is some sort of nose-thumbing bad boy and a rebellious (laughs) son of God. (laughs) He could do whatever he wants, and there's nothing God can do about it. But that's a long ways from from the truth. Satan might have dominion and reign over this world, but he's not the king of it all. He still has Mm -hmm. to answer to his creator, just like we do when God calls. It appears that free will is something that Satan knows very little about. Yeah. And, and Satan is also not uh, omnipotent. Um, he doesn't know everything. He doesn't have unlimited knowledge. And this is, again, part of the problem we have is that we have created this image or this personification of Satan that isn't even close to what the scriptures say. And if Satan did have, you know, unlimited knowledge, why would he bother trying to sabotage the birth of Jesus? Mm-hmm. You know, why would he bother uh, tempting Jesus in the wilderness if he knew what the final outcome was going to be, uh, if he already knew the future. And some say, well, he knows it now, so why is he still rebelling? Well, Satan has always hated mankind from the very beginning. It says in the Bible that we will rule and we will judge angels. Satan doesn't want anybody ruling or judging over him. And um, and so he's always hated us. You know, even in, in Genesis, it starts uh, after the fall, God says to Satan, I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So we have to understand that there are limitations. God doesn't let Satan know any more than he lets anybody else know. In fact, we even have it in the New Testament where Jesus says the father knows 
you know, when the end time is coming, but the son doesn't know. So yeah. even Jesus didn't know what the end was, even though Jesus is God, God, the father had not revealed everything to him. And so this is the same with Satan. So it answer the question, well, if he knows the end is coming, why bother rebelling? Well, let me retort. If you knew the end was coming, why are we still bothering to rebel? Yeah. If Satan knows that what the end is result is, and he's still rebelling, why are we questioning why we're still rebelling if we know the end? See, we have the same foreknowledge about the end that, that Satan does, and yet we criticize him for rebelling, and yet we ourselves are the ones that say no thank you to God and his offer of salvation. So, in fact, we're on the same level yeah. in our rebelliousness as Satan, and Satan knows that he's doomed. Okay, and he's not going to go alone. He wants to take as many of us with him as he can. He does not want any more of God's creatures to end up in heaven. He wants to have as many of us in hell with him. Um, so he knows the consequences if you accept the gift of God. He knows that it's eternal life. And he knows that if you would just believe in God's son, Jesus Christ, and ask for forgiveness of your sins, and you turn away from your sinly life, then then you have a, you've inherited eternal life. Yeah. And when that happens, Satan knows he's lost another one. So that's what makes him mad. And that's what motivates him. And that's why he hates Christians and the church so much. And it's why he wages war continually on those who proclaim the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. It's also why Peter wrote, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion. You mentioned that before. Yeah. Looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. And Paul also wrote, and this is why he wrote this, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers of darkness and against the evil spiritual forces of heaven. Ephesians 6. So Satan knows he's lost. He knows time is running out. He doesn't know when it's all going to happen. Uh, like we said before, even Jesus doesn't know. Only God the Father knows the appointed time. So Satan is in, he's in full work mode right now because he knows his time is short. Yeah. He's not certainly not procrastinating like a lot of us are. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe if if the church was as uh, as motivated as Satan is, um, I think there might be a whole lot of difference. <laughs> I, I believe you're right. You know, and Satan is not omniscient. Satan cannot do whatever he feels like doing. He is subject to the control of God, just like all of creation is subject to to God. Again, let's go back to the Book of Job. When we see that, not only does Satan have to give an account to God, you know, directly about his whereabouts and activities, but he can only do what God allows him to do. So, you know, Satan can't go beyond the limits. God puts limits on power that he has. Mm -hmm. In the first chapter of Job, we read about the first time God gives strict instructions to Satan as to what he can and cannot do. He says in Job 1, verse 12, Very well, the Lord said to Satan, Everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. And then in chapter 2, we see the second time. This is verses um, 3 to 7. Mm -hmm. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. He still retains his integrity, even though 
You incited me against him to destroy him for no good reason. Skin for skin, Satan answered the Lord. A man will give up everything he owns in exchange for his life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse your face. Very well, Lord, said Satan. He's in your power. Only spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence and infected Job with terrible boils from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. But didn't kill him. Didn't kill him. He wasn't allowed. He's not allowed to. Exactly. You know, so this this kind of begs the question when we look at who Satan is. Um, if Satan isn't as powerful as we make, as we believe he is, or the world believes he is, um, then why should we, as Peter says, be alert and sober-minded um, and be aware of his activities? Satan like, may not be omnipresent or omnipotent or the other word I can't say, um, <laughs> the other O, but you know, he's still dangerous. Um, and so I think you know, we know how the world sees Satan and we know it's wrong. So let's have a look at what the Bible says about Satan and why we should be alert and sober-minded and careful about his schemes. So Satan, or the devil, is known by a number of different names in Scripture. And all these names point to his evil character. When you're studying the Bible, and we talked about this last month as well, names are huge. The, the yeah. names that people are given and um, how they describe people are, are right there. The chief characteristics that we find in this creature are his hostility, his cunning, his power, and evil intent towards God and his people. In the interest of time, here's just a few more familiar names that we know from Scripture. Uh, I'm going to start with the ruler of this world. We find this in John chapter 12, verse 31. When Jesus okay. was being tempted, Satan offered him all the kingdoms of this world. And you know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't correct Satan. I find that interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, according to the whole uh, Bible and Christian tradition, God is the ruler of the whole world. De jure, you know, that's, that's his right. However, according to the New Testament and the earliest traditions, so pre-Constantine, pre-Augustine, God is not, in fact, the de facto ruler, at least mm-hmm. not until the end. It's, it's um, a term that's called the, the esh- eschaton. Eschaton, is, yeah. Yeah, the final event in the divine plan or the end of the world. So at, at that point in time, God's going to come in. He's going to take the whole thing away. But for now, the ruler of this world is, in fact, Satan. Yeah. And, and just to go back a little historically on that, uh, if you go back to, you know, Genesis, you'll see the references there to where God has given dominion of this world over to Satan and his angels. Um, but that's a little bit of an exercise you can do later. <laughs> yeah. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, he's referred to as the God of this world, uh, the ruler of the power of the air, Ephesians 2, verse 2. Paul in Romans 3, verse 11, quotes David when he says, There is none who seeks after God. Our hearts are deceitful and sick, according to Jeremiah. And into this context, Satan comes in and presents himself as the God that we want. Mm-hmm. He rules in a way that is deceitful and void of our desire for the true God. Yeah. Another name, uh, Father of Lies. We see that in John eight forty four. John yeah. says... And, and these, are, these are titles that Jesus himself kind of gave Satan. Exactly. Yeah. John, John says of the devil that the truth is not in him. The ancient historian Herodotus has this nickname as well. And perhaps he was the inspiration that John drew from. People mocked Herodotus because of what he had written was proven to be specious. But in his time, 
Herodotus had been praised for his works. And this is not unlike Satan. He whispers lies into our ears and convinces us of things which just aren't true. And when the truth is revealed later, he is mocked. Hmm. You know, that truth comes at our expense. Yeah. But he's he's revealed to be a liar. The things yeah. he told us were completely untrue. Mm-hmm. Here's a popular name. I think we, we've heard this one. Beelzebub, mm-hmm. which means ruler of the demons, which sounds great. <laughs> However, it also means it also means Lord of the Flies or Lord of Dung. I think yeah. I think that last one is closer to what I like. We see Beelzebub <laughs> in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That mm-hmm. reference. What a beautiful name! You know, it describes the truth of Satan's nature. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Hebrews associated this name with Satan as it made him responsible for everything that ails us, from the spiritual problems to physical sickness. Mm-hmm. Satan is associated to all those things which are detestable. Wow. Uh, the last word is Lucifer. We've referred to that. The day star, the bearer of light. He's called Lucifer in Isaiah uh, chapter 14 and in Revelation. You know, it crosses both Old Testament and New Testament here. Yeah. It's a reflection as to the character of who God is. Because Jesus came and John said in chapter 1 verse 9 that he was the true light. So what do you prefer when you're lost? A flickering candle? You know, Mm -hmm. something that casts long shadows? Or do you like the light of the sun? Something that dispels those shadows. Mm -hmm. One is a poor and inadequate imitation of the other. And and if you look at those descriptions that that you kind of touched on, the ruler of this world, uh, father of lies, uh, god of this world, and Beelzebub, you know, ruler of demons, those are all um, antitheses of of what God is. You know, God, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you know. Um, Jesus only tells the truth. God only tells the truth. He is the father of truth. Um, Yes, God is the God of, of everything. Um, but this world is based on its desires and its greed and its sin. God is the God of perfection, not the God of imperfection and chaos, which is where Satan, Satan ends up. Um, and certain, and, and the other thing too, the other misconception is people say, um, that Satan is the Lord of hell or the King of hell. And he certainly is not God. This is a totally blow your mind idea that hit me. Um, God is actually the God of hell. Yes, he is. Yeah. God is the divine ruler over everything. Satan only has whatever rule God gives him. And hell is certainly not a place that he rules. God is the one who rules everything. You know, not once in the gospels is Satan's kingdom considered to be uh, a burning underworld full of tormented dead. But rather, as Jesus testifies, Satan is the ruler of this world, yeah. not the ruler of hell. Um, and hell isn't where Satan lives. Um, it's where he's going. And that's the other thing we have to dispel too. Um, hell has been prepared for the devil and his angels and for those who don't receive the gift of salvation. So it's a place, just like Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I come again, I will receive you unto myself so that where I am there, you may be also. He's talking about heaven. Well, God is also preparing a place for Satan and his angels and all of those who don't accept the gift of salvation. And that's really important. Um, and anyway, so, and he's not going to go without a fight. So hell, like I said, is a place that's prepared for the devil. It's not a place that he lives. You know, and I think a lot of people view um, Satan as this mafia boss 
who lives on the top floor of a, of a skyscraper and yeah. owe him or all these people that work for him. And the closer you get to the bottom, the worse off it gets until you're at the main floor and there's all this torment that you're, you're working in the dungeons and all that stuff. And it's very deceiving. What I find interesting because you know that I tend to investigate a lot of that stuff. Um, the ch- there are so many glimpses of the truth in those in those books in those comics in those media but the one thing that comes out time and time again is that satan will give you whatever you want he will give you your heart's desire okay because he wants to distract you from god he wants to distract you from the idea of salvation Um, he wants to distract you from your sinfulness and one of the best ways he does that is to lie and to give it that we desire. And this is another difference between God and Satan is that God, uh, Satan is the, is the little G God of an sure, immediate, yeah. immediate gratification, right? He's the McDonald's of the world, you know, yeah. like Satan's the guy you can drive up to the drive through and say, I would like this. And, you know, and you drive around the corner and he gives it to you. Whereas people get frustrated with God because God doesn't work on demand. He's not a drive through. You know, God has a plan. Yes, God does answer prayer, but sometimes his answers to our requests are no, or his answers are silence, wait, be patient. There's always a, there's always a, a few, there's always a, a future in God's answer. There's always, and his answer always relates to his plan, whereas Satan's answer only ever relates to instant gratification. Yeah. What do you want now? What do you desire? You know, I can give it to you. You know, um, I'll give it to you, but there's a cost. And that's the other thing, too, is Satan's gifts always come with a cost, and it, it's death. God's gifts come with salvation, and that's eternal life. Yeah. And that's the difference, you know. Satan's real. The Bible makes it clear that he's a powerful and evil spiritual being who is absolutely opposed to God and God's goodness. Mm-hmm. You know, after discussing a topic like this, I'm drawn to the music of my youth, the music of our youth. <laughs> I just love to crank a little To Hell with the Devil by Striper or The Devil's a Liar by the Allies or maybe even because <laughs> tomorrow is one of the great holidays of Satan, um, All Hallows Eve by Bride. Just uh, mm-hmm. listen to the words of those songs and what it says about who Satan is. Regardless, yeah. regardless we war- worship a God who is equal to none and in whose hands we can rest safely. Mm-hmm. And the big thing that you want to get across to people is the image of Satan that we have is wrong. Yeah. We have to completely deconstruct this, this image and this idea, even within the church. The church has this idea that Satan is all powerful, you know, um, but he isn't. We have to remember at the end of the day, Satan is a created being just like us. He is fallible or he's not eternal. He is not God. God is the God of everything, including Satan. That's why the Bible says, you know, why should you be afraid? God, the Lord of the armies of hosts of the, you know, the Lord of armies is, is with us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing can stand up against God. And we know what the end result is going to be. And that's what we have to live for. We need to glorify God and not glorify the counterfeit. The one who's, you know, who's just trying to take us away 
from true eternal life. Um, this topic again, like God, it can be huge. Sure. Um, although it probably shouldn't be, <laughs> but it's important. Um, and so I know that you and I over the last month um, have been looking at some different material online and um, oh, yeah. we'll probably be posting some of those resources to Facebook so that our listeners can, you know, read it for themselves. And there's some really interesting stuff out there. If you do your research properly and you, you know, you avoid all of the sensationalism stuff and the, the new age stuff. And that's the other thing is that's, that's dangerous too. You know, we talk about Satan coming as an angel of light. And I just want to kind of speak a little bit from experience on this. <clears throat> Within the New Age movement, there is a lot of talk about angels. People have angel tarot cards. They talk about uh, the Archangel Michael. I know people within the Wiccan religion who will pray to the Archangel Michael, just the same as Catholics do. Uh, they, they attempt to invoke him for protection. And again, this is one of the biggest lies of, of Satan is that the New Age movement, New Age movement is very beautiful. It looks at the beauty of people and the beauty of creation and the beauty from within. Mm -hmm. Okay. And as we know, Satan comes as, as a beautiful angel of light. And so people, so many people are deceived. He's using the scripture to deceive people into his kingdom. And that's really what you have to be careful about when, you know, when you're, anybody is involved in any of these type of anti-Christian movements, Satan is always behind it, but you got to have to look. It may appear to be good. It may appear to be biblical. It may appear to be spiritual, but if it's not God, then it's Satan. And the only result in that is eternal death. Um, one other thing before we close, happy Reformation Day, everybody. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Most people don't know that. No, well, no, no. explain explain to the listeners what Reformation Day is then. Oh well, the the quick and dirty explanation. Um, October thirty first, Martin Luther nailed the ninety five thesis on the Wittenberg door, and mm -hmm. uh, it, it he didn't really start the Reformation, but it certainly was the supercharger he added to the engine that was already hot. Yeah, um, and really kicked off everything that became the Reformation that became the Anabaptist movement and the the, the Christian church that split away from Catholicism Protestantism. 500 years ago, right? Yeah. So, yeah, October 31st, we call that Reformation Day. Um, so, there you go. And thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode Absolutely. of Telius Talk. We've got two more episodes left, uh, November and December, and both of those episodes are going to be looking at the, the person of person of jesus christ yeah um, i think it's uh definitely applicable in the next couple of months to be looking at at him absolutely the author and the finisher of our race all right let's uh let's close in prayer uh, father god we thank you for who you are we look at your plan as being different than the plan that we have for ourselves uh, when we talk about something like satan and who he is and we realize that he has he has been created that he has limitations that his power is not his own father god it helps us to see uh, where we stand and how precious we really are to you we pray that you would give us protection the protection that we need uh, we pray you would give us uh, a sense of security 
Halloween is is a day that celebrates everything evil and everything that that Satan represents. And we pray that you would turn our hearts towards you and give us an opportunity to show others who you are and to share that knowledge of who you are in this time. People desperately need you, Lord God. Uh, we pray for all those listeners who have joined us. Uh, give them a blessing and a special day tomorrow. And uh, be with us as we go. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to visit our Facebook and Patreon pages. We're always happy to visit and answer questions. This podcast is being listened to from as far away as the UK and the UAE, as well as our neighbors to the south and all across Canada. Please visit our Facebook page for more discussions, articles, and links. Keep us in your prayers as we prepare for our podcast every month. Next month, we're starting our Gear Up for Christmas. Please join us for part one of Who is Jesus?